So, um, I've just had a conversation with, with Days, uh, one of my former guests, and also we've done a project with him a few years ago, and now I'm here with also another one of my former guests on my podcast, John, or AKA Crash. Hang <laughs> on. Thank, yeah, thanks for your time. So, I'm no here in, in New York, um, taking it all in. We're here on, on a few different missions. I, mean, I mentioned to you that we're um, kind of relaunching our brand in a certain way next year, 2022. We want to be the perfect ecosystem for not just Hamilton, which we're known about, but many other artists, mm -hmm. yourself, Days, uh, Black the Rat, um, people like Risk. I mean, there's so many great sure. artists out there that I feel that we can champion back in London. Thank and I think, um, I think the momentum of collectors, fanatics and investors it's very much there. They're, they're, they're Fanatics. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. They're looking to kind of, you know, uh, invest their money, you know, well into your, into your artworks. And I think it's important to show our audience that we are on the ground here and we're taking it all in. Um, and then also, you know, our bread and butter, our backbone is, is Hambleton because right. that's where we started. So just on that note, you were saying to me a couple of interesting things. You obviously live here in New York. Yes. So what's the sentiment like surrounding Richard Hamilton. Oh, wow. Well, um, going back, um, when Hamilton was actually out and about doing stuff, he actually, his popularity um, surpassed Keith Haring. You know, a lot of people um, will agree with that. You know, he was, he was a phenomenal painter. Um, his ideology was great, you know, like to just do his stuff in the street. And, you know, you're walking around. At that time, um, the city was not the safest place to walk around in at night. So, you know, you're walking down the street, all of a sudden you see one of his pieces and it sort of jars you. So, you know, his mindset was really interesting, very different than anybody else. And to see his market um, surge the way it is right now, I think it's great. He's so undervalued. I think he's, he, his, his, his paintings were, you know, were such a um, jumping point for other artists today. Um, it's, it's nice to see this. Because you even said to me just now that uh, you even tried to acquire some pieces from yes. auction, but, yes. but what happened? Yeah, well, you know, like anybody else, um, you know, I saw some interesting drawings, ink drawings that he had on, um, at, a, at an auction, and I tried to get them, but um, at the end of the day, they were triple what, you know, what I was trying to get them at. So um, it's, it's, it's good and it's bad. I, I mean, it's bad for me, but good for his market. I think it's great. Yeah. And yeah. um, the New York Times just recently done two articles about Richard Hamilton, oh, but they okay. also were talking about the, the guy, the mass artist who's been kind of playing homage to yes. Hamilton. Yes. There's been a bit of mixed feelings about that. I think probably more positive than negative, but I think, you know, people are saying, well, you shouldn't be recreating someone's work, but then at the same time, you're paying respects to the artist. Sure. Have you seen any of these? I haven't seen them. I personally haven't seen them. Um, I just found out about this not too long ago. Um, I also have mixed feelings about it. I mean, it's cool that you're paying homage to someone, but I mean, it's so close to the original stuff. You know, it's sort of like, well, you're not him. Yeah. You know, it's been done. Move on. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. You know, I, I mean, I, I get it. I get it, but you know, it's so close to it. Yeah. I, saw, uh, I think one of the benefits of it, it got, the New York Times talking about it. Yes. And regardless whether people's feelings are for it or against it, mm. it's highlighted Hamilton. And I think any press is good press, right? Yes, so, absolutely. So, so since I mean, any, anything that can bring um, his name back into um, today is it, a good thing. And I've got to say off the back end of that, I mean, we, we it's so weird to feel that I'm from South London. Mm. I'm not from the art market per se. Right, right. 
but here I am promoting an artist who made his name in New York, originally from Canada. And I've got to say, the inquiries we're getting is unbelievable. But the, also the other good thing about that is when they come on, clients, they end up saying, okay, I've collected a few of his works now. Because they don't normally buy one, they normally buy three, four, five. Well, or, a good collector yeah. would do more than one. Yeah. Sure. Uh, then they ask, who else you represent, Correct. who else Correct. you work with. Correct. And that's obviously led us to yourself, right, right. Days, right. and a few others. And it's just really healthy to see that people have got a great appetite for street art as a yeah. whole. Yeah. I and, think it's great. I mean, you know, how, however it happens, I think it's great. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm happy for, for, for his, his work to be, um, you know, getting, getting it to do. So, um, more about yourself then. Um, so, we're here in the Bronx. Yes. Um, I've heard about this place so much when I was younger. I yeah. was saying to Days, even, I used to listen to 50 Cent all the time. And I, know, <laughs> I know he's not from right. the he's Bronx, Queens, yeah. but he obviously rapped about it and things like that. And so many rappers and song mm -hmm. writers and music stars always talk about this area. Right. Um, there's obviously some... Uh, checkered stuff they speak about and then there's also some creative stuff they speak about what's it like being in and around the Bronx well I grew up in this neighborhood um, born and raised not too far from here um, it's always been a very um, strange place in that um, it's always been very transient um, the Bronx is very close to the airports um, so when people come and they land and they're looking for a place to live if it's not Queens, it's the Bronx because it's, it was cheap at the time, and you know you can move here. And then from here, you set your, your sights on somewhere else. Yeah. So that's how you know that's how the whole thing started. So um, again, very very transient. Um, today it it was one of the last strongholds in um in the city in terms of um getting cheap real estate. No longer you know that's the case. That what it's very expensive now. Um, so. A lot of people have to move out because of you know um, because of that happening. It's it's um, the people here that stay here um, through the ups and downs are very true and very um, loyal, and they have no problem stepping to you and telling you, "Listen, this is my neighborhood. You don't like it? Leave." You know that's just the way they are. Um, and because of um, the melting pot. And the way the Bronx is, um, hip hop, you know, came out of it. Um, a lot of early, you know, um, pioneers were, you know, Jamaican or Latino, and they bought all this um, Caribbean stuff and put into this pot, and hip hop, you know, came out of it. So, um, you know, there's, there's a reason, um, and it's it's a great place. It's you know, it's rough, you know, but I think any good place, you know, has, you know. That little, that little, like the East End of London was like that at one point. Shortage, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, not anymore, but, but here, you know, they still feel it because um, to be able to launch, you know, new businesses up here, it's, 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 it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. And like, for example, any business, like if, if you're going to um, um, a supermarket or a store in the city and you buy a beer for $2, you know, $2. You, you know, over here, like, it's $2, like, yo, that guy's 150 All right, you know, that type of thing. So bartering is still um, um, done. So it's, it's strange, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. yeah. So um, like all places, I mean, in London, you've got Brixton. Yes. You've got Peckham. Yeah. You've got Hackney. Yeah. And there's good parts of it and yeah. not so good parts yeah. of it. And I think it all factors into that culture mm -hmm. and, and that, that, that environment. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, you mentioned about, like, 
you know, parts of the Brock's been a little bit rough and a little bit tough. Mm-hmm. I know you, uh, I feel like I've got a bit of rapport with you because I do boxing, you yeah. used to be a boxer. Yeah. Golden gloves, yeah. is that yeah. right? Yeah. Did you learn boxing because of that environment or is it just a sport that you gravitated towards? Um, my dad was into it. I used to, um, um, they used to have these Friday night fights and they used to televise them on, on television and I was five, six years old. I used to watch him seeing it and I just, just gravitated to it um, the poetry of it, you know, where, where you hit and move so you don't get hit, that type of thing. Um, and a lot of early boxers lived in the neighborhoods where, you know, where they trained out of, you know, where they lived out of. So, so some names escaped me, but some local boxers, um, Latinos especially, they lived like around the corner from me. And they used to train and then go fight and I and on because the purses weren't, you know, great. But, um, you know the 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 beauty of it is what is what you know the 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 violence of it didn't bother me the beauty of it is what what intrigued me and I got into it and um you know it, a lot of kids got into it because their dads pushed them into it yeah. oh you have to learn how to defend yourself if something happens in the street you got to take care of yourself my dad was into that he goes if you like it good you know you can always run there's no you know there's no shame in being able to fight tomorrow that type of thing so um yeah it's good mentality yeah 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 but um. You know, I, I got into it. I loved it. And, and I, I, you know, every once in a while, I'll catch a good fight and see it. And um, interesting. Um, Who's your favorite boxer? Of all time, Alexis Aguayo. Okay. Lightweight. Um, he, he was um, from uh, Nicaragua. And he actually died young. But um, he, he amazing fighter. Very stand-up. Um, his, his whole thing was kind of punching, which I thought was interesting. And, um, yeah, so someone like him, I got into it. Um, Roberto Duran. Again, you know, the red, but the red man, Very tough his, man, his style of fighting, you know, with his hand up and, you know, I, I, I liked his style of fighting. Um, and he just didn't bow out to anyone. Um, the whole thing with um, Sugar Ray Leonard, you know, whatever, but, you know, it's kind of interesting. Another one was um, Wilfredo Benitez, who's a Puerto Rican fighter. Um, and he lied about his age, but became a champion at 17 years old, which was like unheard of. Um, he, he was the first of many to win three weight category championships. Um, he fought, he actually married Sugar Ray Leonard, no, Sugar Ray Leonard married his sister. So, you know, they, they have a close relationship, but he, he fought Leonard. So, you know, really interesting um, fighter. Uh, right now he's suffering from dementia, from, from fighting. But this, if you see early videos of him, you can hit him. You know, he was down the ropes and you, you know, just dip, dip, and you just couldn't hit him at all and just counter and, and go. Um, so yeah, boxing, you know, was was great. It's, it's still great. So con- connecting boxing to mm-hmm. your art, do you ever like? You mentioned that you said words there like the dance or like the the poetry yeah. of boxing, and I totally totally get what you what you mean because yeah. it is like that. Yeah. It is very much a dance in the poetry. Yeah, yeah. But when you're on your canvas, you know, do you ever do you ever have that kind of that that does it transfer that mindset that feeling onto a canvas? Um. Well. F- well, what I, what, what I do, I, I always base it on movement. Um, you know, when we used to paint on subway trains, the trains were stationary, but it's one of the only art forms in the world that you can read it and see it as it's moving. And I've never seen that before except for um, Italian futurism, you know, where it was built on movement. So, you know, it's kind of cool. And so I, 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 I sort of do um, apply that, that, that type of mentality to painting. Um, movement is, is movement and color are the two things that I, I, I really, really love. And, um, you know, just 
do it. Yeah. yeah. Can you? So obviously we can see some of your great works here. Oh, thank um, you. <laughs> um, would you be able to like just if I point I mean, out a few? Could you describe yeah, what we're looking at here? Let me show you these. These are unwrapped because I just worked on these. But um, on these, if you could follow me this way, um, we're 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 part of an exhibition that's <laughs> happening in China, uh, for Beyond the Streets, and we're each doing um um installations. So my installation is eighteen paintings, and these are some of the paintings. Um, for that show and again you can see the, the entire thing about movement and, and the line work so um yeah you know so uh, quite similar to a question i asked days earlier i mean you, you guys both use the eyes quite a lot mm -hmm. what what's the reason behind that for you well when um in the in the early to mid 80s um painting was big you know a lot of painters um julian schnabel david sally eric Fischel, to name a few they used to paint really large paintings and with us Large has always been better um, because, you know, we come from the subways, painting something 60-odd feet long, you know, you, you, you know this is what you do. Um, the, the, the women's eye thing came because I used to love painting um, full features, you know, like, like the full face of a woman or a man as part of the painting. And then when I started scaling down the pieces, I didn't want to scale down the vision. I just wanted to scale down the size. So it's sort of like taking this and applying it, and it's just a continuation of something else. So bringing that down, you know, where I scale down from the woman's features are the eyes, and that's how, you know, that came about. Yeah, beautiful. Thanks. See, there's a blank canvas here. Is yeah, this going to be something I'm going to work on hopefully today? in the next two weeks. All right. You know? Would you start today? No, 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 uh, no, no I got I to gotta get my mindset on this one, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, over the course of the last few years, you know, it's been quite uncertain where most westernized economies are going because mm -hmm. of the pandemic lockdown and things like that and even though they're saying we're kind of post-pandemic it kind of feel we're still not it is a lingering kind of it's thing. very much so yeah, yeah lingering in the air it feels like at any moment things will be shut down again yeah. um i do believe things happen for a reason and i do believe not in reacting but responding to certain situations so with you how have you responded to the pandemic and how has it influenced your work um well, in, in terms of um, business, I just kept painting. I mean, when we weren't allowed, to, you know, when there was a, a moment, I think it was like a month, where you weren't allowed to, you know, leave your house or whatever, I just, you know, thought about it, like, okay, what am I going to do? So I just had a couple of scrap things laying around, and I just built little pieces out of wood, and I just had, you know, I happened to have watercolor spray paint and acrylics in the house, so I just started putting things together and built these little, these little, um... Uh, reliefs, I guess you could say, and um, I just started posting pictures online, and people were asking me about them, and I started selling a bunch of these things, and um, when we were able to go out a little bit, I started coming here, because I, you know, I'm by myself, I'm driving the car, you know, there's no, no harm, um, I just started working on smaller things just to um, occupy my time, then, you know, you couldn't hit the stores, you couldn't buy supplies, so I started ordering stuff, and they were being delivered, like, huh? So I started circumventing a little bit and I just kept working. I, you know, I just worked through it. Yeah. Yeah. I've interviewed quite a lot of successful business people on my podcast from real estate to, you know, yeah. top businesses. And some of them have got so much money. It's almost like it's just incredible. It's very, very <laughs> inspiring. But a lot of them have said the same thing about the pandemic. When things are on lockdown, it got them to realize what was important in yeah. their life. Yeah. 
the nice car, the watches, the big homes, obviously they're all great things. No. But in actual fact, it's the free things in life mm. that you kind of disregard yeah. until yeah. your freedom gets take, taken away. Yeah. What would you say has been the most important thing that stood out for you? Um, the most important aspect of your life that the pandemic has highlighted? Getting, getting together with people. You know, being out in public is the first thing that comes to mind. Like you couldn't go to a restaurant like you normally do. You can go to an opening. You know, it, it was a really strange thing. I'm like, okay, how are we going to do this? So everything was by appointment or um, Zoom. I mean, I wish I had stock in Zoom because they did it nicely. Yeah. Um, so, um, it, you know, it, being, being out and about was, was the, the big thing. You know, just being out in public was the one thing that I thought was immediately for me. Um, the, the, the change yeah. was, it was so direct. Um, yeah, uh, the second thing was, you know, being able to go to a store and buy something. You can just do it. You have to stand in line and, you know, and then only 30 people allowed in the store. So that was just really strange. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think, but the main thing was getting, getting to, you know, together with people. And um, during the pandemic, I spoke to a few um, people that you know, uh, Cope, mm -hmm. Out Diaz, uh, LA2, mm -hmm. and a lot of them are saying the same thing to me as in during the pandemic, they were getting a new demographic collecting because maybe people had a bit more time to educate themselves. Yeah, online. People yeah. That's what I'm saying, online, it just, it, you know, people were just home. And would you say you got a new demographic because of that or more the same demographic, but they were more active? Um, both. I, a lot of new people that I didn't think were going to collect art and people who had purchased stuff in the past liked the direction that I was going. So they just like, wow, what's this? I'm like, me just messing around. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's what the studio is. It's, it's a, a place where you can put time in and just mess around with ideas. Um, but at home, it's, it's even more personal. Yeah. Because, you know, you go from sketches to whatever and like whatever you have there and you have to use what you have. <clears throat> Whereas here... Yeah. You have a choice. You have yeah. an option. At home, you don't. Yeah. I, I also, um, I know art isn't, you know, it's about the creativity. It's about collecting. And it's also about co complementing what you've already got. But there mm. is that aspect, which I mentioned on the podcast before, which is the investment. Yes. And I was speaking to a guy who's very, very wealthy. He actually lives in America, but he's actually English. I think he sold a company and huge amount of money. And it was the first time that he's witnessed that he bought a yacht and within a year, when he wanted to upgrade the yacht to something bigger, he actually made money from that yacht. Whereas normally yes. they, they depreciate yes. because they're a, yes. they're, they're a liability. Yep. And that's because the pandemic has shut, shut off the production yep. chain. Yes. And therefore <laughs> these assets are going up. Watches have gone up massively. Used cars. Yeah. So I had, I had a lease that was up last, during the pandemic. So I'm like, you know what? I'm, you know, I'm done with this. And I, a friend of mine, I used to tow cars at night in the, in the late, in the mid 80s when the economy was really bad. Um, so, you know, I, always, I was always into cars and I just went by his shop like, hey, you know, you got anything that I can, I can get that's a used vehicle? He goes, what are you into? I'm like, I don't know. So I wound up getting a, 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 a 2017 Mini Cooper, right? A, a Countryman, a four-wheel four drive, six-speed, you know, the whole bit. I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool, right? So I got it at a good price. So I saw him recently because I, I was inquiring about something else. And I pull up and I say, hey, dude, um, what's up? You know, talking. He goes, hey, what did you pay for the car? I said, I think I paid like 15. He goes, that same car is going for 22. I'm like, mm. what? He goes, yeah, because for what you said, the, the chain of command is so bad 
that, that people can't buy used cars because there are no chips being made or there's a delay in chips for new cars for, for the engines and for the, um, for, the circuit, for the motherboard that runs the cars. So these cars are sitting there, they can't, so everybody's buying used cars and the prices are jumping. It's happening like, with the art, uh, art market yeah. as well. I mean, Ramel Z, I saw some, oh, yeah. uh, a big auction. Yeah. Um, obviously, you've got the p people like the, the obvious ones, Cause, yeah. Jean-Michel Basquiat, yeah, 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 obviously yeah. Hamilton's. Yeah. How have you seen like, the art market compounding over the last 12 months? Um, well, people are retreating to safe stuff. So like a cause piece, you know, that went for $14 million. They know that pieces have gone for that. So $3 million ain't bad. <laughs> That's the mindset. So they'll bid. Oh, okay. Then 4,000. As long as we don't go over 14 million, we're good. Yeah. So, you know, so, so the mindset, you know, is, is to go safe and all right, cause, and cause is safe. Who would have mm. thought that? You know, um, Basquiat, what, hundred million? 110.5. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so to round this off then, what, what projects have you got coming up over the next 12 months? Um, well, um, I'm going down to uh, our Basel. I'm doing a mural there. Um, I'm supposed to be doing an exhibition in Montpellier in the springtime. I'm doing a show in New York late fall next year, so I got time for that. Um, I'm being approached by two galleries in Korea to do um, one to do an exhibition, the other one wants to do a retrospective. Um, so, you know, this is just a couple of things. Good, know. good, yeah. exciting times. Well, I'm really honored that yourself and also Days have welcomed us into your studio. Ah, it's it's absolutely amazing to see. I know the art market is booming as a whole and, uh, you know, just so fortunate that we've got over here to, to, to nice, New York cool. and uh, get to experience it all. And the weather's good. So. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's an extra benefit as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, cool. Thank you very much, sir. If I could get a photo with you by some of your work and then sure. I'll be out of your house. No problem. Cool.